got to stop following my training or your programming and follow the bird's instincts. Grab hold! It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, after crash landing on the desolate planet of Avafar, Colonel Gascon, R2, and the other droids have to make their way across a featureless wasteland called the Void. Will they be able to find a settlement with a ship they can use to complete their mission? Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the Gascon to my WAC 47. It's a Justy Bell Robbie. How's it going, everyone? We're going to talk about the 98th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology written by Brent Friedman, directed by Kyle Dunleavy. It's... Maybe that's Kyle Dunleavy. I've been saying Kyle Dunleavy all this time, but it's probably Kyle Dunleavy, is it, Robbie? Gosh, I don't know. Let's just say Kyle Dunleavy for this one, and then it'll average out. Yeah, there you go. And it's Season 5, Episode 11, A Sunny Day in the Void. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about A Sunny Day in the Void before you rewatched it again this week. Yeah, this is the one that I uh, was sort of not looking forward to, I remember, on the second go-through, because I was already kind of losing my patience a little bit with the droids, and then this one, it just feels like this episode goes on forever. And maybe that's part of the point, and maybe that's part of the beauty of the pacing of this episode, is it's meant to feel like you're stuck on there with them. The second time through, I tell you, I mean, it, I've told you before... That didn't make any sense when I said I'd tell you. Well, you do tell me, to be fair. (laughs) Like I was saying before, though, the second time through, I really kind of just eased into this episode and what it was trying to say. And I actually really enjoyed it the second time, and this time, I enjoyed it again. I mean, it's just kind of a fun episode. Well, we basically pick up with secret weapons left off with BZ being repaired, and they're hitting home with that encryption module. And then Wack finds out they're headed in hyperspace right for a comet shower. So it's really nice that they have that sensor, Robbie. I didn't know such technology was possible, but it turns out it is. And it's real handy for situations like this. And then hyperspace goes red somehow, which is a scary new thing I don't remember seeing before. Have we have we seen hyperspace be red before? I was thinking as it was happening, I was like, um, I thought the point of calculating jumps in light speed was to mitigate this kind of thing, that you would go around these sorts of you know, obstacles, right? I mean, that's what Han Solo says in episode four, right? Without proper calculations, you can jump right through a star. But I guess a comet shower is a moving thing, so maybe when they first calculated it, I mean, for one thing, it's Whack, who maybe (laughs) makes mistakes once in a while, but for another thing, maybe when he calculated it, the comet shower wasn't there, and then all of a sudden, comet shower's moving across? I don't know. I mean, that's the one thing that I was saying, is that maybe this was a, like, a new thing or something, but I was kind of like, it seems a little still a little strange because i thought that was the whole point of like there's somebody out there that's keeping track of hyperspace lanes and right you know the location of something like a comet shower that might be in movement but i don't know man maybe they just weren't connected to the internet yeah i never thought of that i never thought of that. that's interesting there's probably forecasters right that forecast the weather on the hyperspace lanes and in this case of course the weather is comet showers rather than rain showers and maybe there's hey i don't know it's just something that caught me off guard and made me go now wait a minute 
I thought this was part of the whole deal. Like, I mean, there's probably somebody out there that's almost like a like a cartographer for hyperspace lanes. And that everybody kind of has... But maybe it's, like I said, maybe it's just, you know, maybe the internet was down or something like that. Or, I'm sorry, the holonet was down. I don't know. All I'm trying to say is, it caught me off guard. It caught me <laughs> off guard too, Robbie. And obviously it caught Wack off guard and... It caught the other droids off guard, and they end up outside the ship and basically hanging off in a similar way to how the Padawans were hanging off the ship in the last dark when the pirates were chasing them. I was thinking the same thing. This is a dynamic that we've seen repeated in the, this season. And then, of course, they crash on Abafar, which is a planet which seems to have nothing on it. And at first I was thinking it's kind of like Krayt where the surface is all white, but this has a completely flat surface and no clouds in the sky, or maybe the whole sky is one big cloud that diffuses the sun because there's another interesting point when Gascon says, wait, there's no sun up there. What's going on? It's just a weird world that they've landed on, which is cool because I like the weirdness. You know, I like the weirder side of the Star Wars galaxy. I like when the show shows us weird things. And so while I generally like better scenery i thought it was cool that this world was a little bit weird like to have no sun but somehow it was still hot so how did you like this world of abafar robbie at least in this first part of the episode where it's pretty featureless but weird yeah and it's again i think the first time my first time through i was just i was losing my patience in this episode because i was kind of like why why are we doing this why are y'all spending your time with an episode like this this is just weird to do you know in a show with jedi and Stuff like that. So you were like Ahsoka before she met Teresa Nube, Master Teresa Nube, to teach her patience. A little bit, yeah, I think so. I was younger, I I, I hadn't completed my training. Right. (laughs) It's just, uh, you know, or my programming, I guess you could say. You could say that. Yeah, but I just, I really enjoyed the idea of, yeah, how do you navigate when there's no features to navigate by? You know, it's kind of an interesting idea. Which is kind of funny because they keep finding themselves going around in circles, which I think is more due to Gascon kind of flailing around and saying, oh, let's go over here and let's do this. You know what I mean? Although, isn't it Gascon that goes around in the circle? He's the one that finds his own drink bottle after taking off away from R2, right? When R2 is navigating, they don't go around in a circle. They think they did because they see what they think is their ship, but it's not their ship. So R2 hasn't taken them around in a circle. Oh, yeah. that's. I guess that's a good point. So R2, all throughout this episode knows what's going on somehow and you know is basically the winner or Gascon is the one flailing around right which you know I thought was a fun kind of aspect of the episode yeah and it I really kind of enjoyed the conversation between Gascon and Wack about programming versus training and it's kind of the more you start to think about it the more you kind of think of yourself as well maybe I'm just a a really interesting droid you know what I mean it starts to make you think a little bit yeah, Wack is a bit of a philosopher, it turns out. Yeah, I really enjoyed that conversation because sometimes you start to think about yourself as, I don't know, maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe it's something only us egotistical people have to deal with. <laughs> but, I, you know, you kind of think about yourself as being better than this and better than that or, or more capable than something else. And then when somebody kind of lines it up for you, something like this, you know, where it's almost like you see all the points being made and you kind of go, huh, it's an interesting concept. Like you said, it's a philosophical idea here. It's kind of interesting. Again, kid show. Yeah, although unfortunately it meant that what I had thought was an arc for Gascon in the previous episode and what I'd sort of given it credit for as Gascon coming to respect the droids at the end, we find out, or at least I find out, 
you know, as a rookie. It turns out that it kind of wasn't because Harry's back to looking down on the droids and back to belittling them. And that's kind of when Wack reveals a pragmatic and perhaps even slightly power-hungry side of himself when he starts talking about what should happen after Gascon dies. And he even seems a little bit excited when Gascon climbs up on the ship's tail for a better view of the surroundings, guessing maybe a little bit too enthusiastically that Gascon is about to end it all. So there's some kind of big issues that are raised, but in a comedic fashion here and a sunny day in the void. And I should have mentioned, I've got this note from a little bit earlier, when R2 takes off in his own direction after Gascon insists that they stay with the ship, R2 sort of flashes the encryption module mm-hmm. out of his side. says, look what I've got, yeah. I'm the boss. You know, It's just a fun moment of R2 being a little rascal, as we know he can be. And after that conversation they have about relating training to programming, Gascon does give whack some respect at that point he does kind of say maybe you're right to this droid so it feels like maybe they're doing what i'd assumed was his arc in the previous episode in this episode where he's learning respect for the droids all over again but eventually of course he decides it wasn't wax programming or his training that'll get them out of the sticky situation it's the instinct of these birds which i took as another reference to that jedi idea of reaching out with your feelings i guess and like luke shutting off the targeting computer while he's in the trench run was this i guess the same idea that you felt was being communicated robbie well i think the idea i mean and again it is a kid show so it's almost like the simplest explanation is going to tend to be the right one in this case i would think i think it's a mixture of all three you know your programming your training your ability to use that training to make decisions, and then an instinct. I think it's a mixture of the three that gives you your way forward. Because if you look at it, I mean, you could probably just say, well, then why would R2, you know, <laughs> you know, well, R2 beat him there, right? So, I mean, you could just say, well, programming's the answer. And also, all the training of Wack and Gascon, they're just still lost, and it's the instinct of the birds that saves them in the end. The training and the programming for those two leads them nowhere. In a circle, even. (laughs) I mean, I totally agree with that, too. It's like, yeah, you can look at it a bunch of different ways. But I think that it's, at least that's what I took from it. The mixture of the three gives you your uh, kind of a well-rounded person, you know, being able to trust your instincts, but also rely on what you've learned, you know, to move forward and all that kind of stuff, too. One of the things that I really like, though, is, you know, it's probably my favorite line of the entire, probably the entire episode, maybe the entire arc. What's giving up is not in my programming. Right. You know, it's one of those things that it's only kind of us who have that ability to give up. You know what I mean? It's something that enters our minds maybe all the time for some of us. Some of us have a different level of that ability, I guess, you know, to, to say, okay, well, it's time to give up here. It's an interesting concept. And it's like maybe we can take a little bit of that sort of point of view in our own lives, you know, that maybe giving up is not something that we should even even let enter our mind. Sure. And it also emphasizes how different Gascon is to other heroes like Anakin and like Obi-Wan, you know, and Ahsoka, of course, that we've never seen them be even close to giving up. So Rex is the same, you know, generally the heroes in this story don't, but... One of the things that makes Gascon a little bit interesting, I mean, we saw him act heroically in the previous episode when he fearlessly attacked the much larger droid. And so even though he's obnoxious in his own way, there is a hero inside Gascon, even though, you know, I mean, like I said, he's obviously clearly flawed. And this pair is obviously a very clearly flawed pair. And I can imagine this being 
an episode that would just irritate a lot of people because I didn't sort of pick this up until this episode, but Whack kind of reminds me of Urkel from Family Matters. <laughs> it wasn't a show that I watched a lot back in the day, but there's something about how he has a lot of confidence in his own ability, but he's actually bumbling. That reminded me of Urkel, and a lot of people didn't like Urkel in Family Matters. I can imagine that Whack would be a character that would just not click for a lot of people, and they would consider these episodes as skippers, but I just find the dynamic between he and Gascon entertaining, you know, and I like at the end when he promotes Whack to Corporal. It's not necessarily because Whack has even done anything or at least to me, it's not even necessarily because Wack has even done anything useful because the, the way that I read it was that those two just got themselves even more lost and went around in a circle and were saved by the birds. But I just like that Gascon is in such a good mood that he promotes Wack to Corporal and Wack seems to be into it too. And also at the end there, I just like the look of that little town there that they find, how it's dug into the ground, how it's all monotone, it's all one color basically. And it's got that, I guess, man-made or sentient being-made kind of lake, you know, Mm-hmm. It looks like it's dug into the ground up there and makes me wonder, how does that water come up? You know, is that a spring? It's obviously man-made. It's obviously the sort of water source for the area. But where does it come from? It's just, I mean, this, and this is not a hole in the episode or anything. This is just something that fired my imagination, I guess. Yeah, and one of the things about, like, the way that it looked is it almost looked similar in design to, like, a microchip, you know? Right. The way that you've got different areas connected by transistors i don't know anything about microchip (laughs) but you know what i mean yeah it actually reminded me of crop circles oh okay which i thought was a fun sort of reference to another alien type of thing yeah i mean i just like the way it looked too but yeah i didn't actually even consider whether or not it was a man-made structure or or not well i think didn't it just have wasn't it square and it had very straight sides i think that's why i thought it was made by sentient beings or maybe droids you know but right it didn't seem natural no i agree with you i definitely think that this is not a natural thing well i don't know how to segue out of that into our standout shot of the episode robbie so let's let's just say bro robbie what was your standout shot of a sunny day in the void well this one's a kind of strange episode because you've got all the comet stuff at the beginning and then you've got this stark featureless well void throughout the rest of the episode my favorite shot was actually when they kind of burst out of the cloud cover and the ship just kind of appears you know through the well i guess it is cloud cover right yeah right it was really really just a cool looking shot i mean that was my favorite one of the episode Mine was this fun shot as the ship is going down at the start where WAC-47 is flying the ship on the right and on the left, Colonel Gascon is pretty much lying prone splayed out across one of the instrument displays because I just always like seeing small beings interacting with environments that were made for larger beings, right? He's pretty much laying across one of the screens, flat across it, and he's so small that his old body can... He can basically lie on top of it and he's lying on there looking down as they go down And that shot just delighted me. So that's my shot of the episode, Robbie. And so before we bring this episode in for a landing, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So after your third ever watch of A Sunny Day in the Void, how did you like it overall? And where does A Sunny Day in the Void sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Well, I don't think that so far this arc has anything in there that's like super, you know, just important to have or to continue on your Clone Wars journey. But I did enjoy it. 
I mean, I know the last episode I gave a 2.8. I think I'm going to give this one a two and three quarters because I didn't enjoy it quite as much as the other one, but I still liked it. I mean, I think this is one of these episodes that I think might be a bit challenging to get through. And you might, you know, I think a lot of people, especially when it starts to get to the actual void part, it can be kind of frustrating, but I love the Clone Wars. So it's kind of hard for me to completely dismiss it by that rationale. Yeah, I do enjoy spending time with these idiots guests gone in the whack. We could say nothing really happens in this episode, but I wasn't bored per se. The whole way through, I was pretty much engaged. The scenery obviously wasn't much, but I did like when they find that mysterious town at the end, dug into its own subsurface level. And obviously I like that R2 had already found it when they got there, so that was fun. And I'm going to give it five comet shells out of ten, which means it's right on the edge for me. I mean, for anyone who hasn't followed our earlier episodes and doesn't follow my rating system, a five is still a positive. It's still something where I felt like there was more good than bad in it, but it probably means that when I do a rewatch, I might skip this one. I mean, nothing vital happens in it, so yeah, this one might be a skipper. But overall... I was pretty consistently entertained, so I can't judge it too badly. And this mission accomplished for Season 5, Episode 11, A Sunny Day in the Void. So, Robbie, if the troops want to let us know that we have completely missed the fact that this episode is utter genius and they want to let us in on the secret, what are our communications channels? Well, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And, of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 90. 90- ninth episode in the starwars.com clone wars chronology can you believe it robbie the 99th is the next one it's crazy yeah it's season five episode 12 missing in action and until then this is your old buddy bucho alongside your trusty pal robbie and we are out remember you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on itunes or any other podcast platform and bucho and robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode and speaking of feedback episodes you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to bucho and robbie at gmail.com may the force be with you